0: Good morning, Sun Valley Church. Welcome back to the Voice of the Valley. I'm Jeremy Pinch. And it's a rare day here in the podcasting room because I have both Pastor Rick Whitmer and Pastor John
1: Schubert here. It's good to see you guys together.
2: Wow. John, it's good to see you here.
1: Thank you. Well, you know, I was trying to figure out what the rare thing was going to be that you <laughs> mentioned. Um, but I suppose that is a bit rare that yeah. we're together here. I mean, rare don't... these days. Yeah. This year. This year, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You guys have, you know, come back together in friendship and unity in the podcasting room. Yeah, we put, we've put
1: our disagreements and hatred behind us. <laughs> and uh we've decided to go for the sake of the body to for go forward together. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well good. And yeah. you're the and you all in the voice of the valley land are, are the first to know. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah.
0: Uh, no, it's good. It's good to uh, be back together and uh, yeah, yeah. How how are things going with you guys as we have jumped into the month of February and are moving along in 2022? How are you guys doing? Anything good and exciting? Anything you're reading that's that's encouraging you as of late?
2: Um, our family, what's new is that we have less children than your family does now um, because you guys are That's having true. another child. It is a
1: competition, Rick.
2: I know. And there are discussions. How do we remedy this? <laughs> no. no, there's not the that pitches. many discussions. Um,
1: You're discussing it in your mind. Jen hasn't been a part of that yet. <laughs> Well, now she is. <laughs> I
2: saw I saw a video once of a guy. He was a, a nurse, and he had, he figured out a way to do a pregnancy test on his wife without her knowledge. <laughs> and he broke the, the news of the pregnancy to his wife.
1: <laughs> no, you're pregnant, honey. <laughs> <laughs> you are. Yeah. That's no, impressive. I
2: just, yeah, things are well. Um, as far as things are reading, uh, I'm slowly slogging through um, uh, Ian Murray's... Yeah, Ian Murray's biography of Martin Lloyd-Jones. Um, and I go through spurts on that. And that always, it's um, it's a great chance to get to know Lloyd-Jones better. But um, for me, it's been a real challenge. You said, you know, re- are you reading something that's challenging you? And it's just a challenge from somebody who took um, the call of God in the ministry with just the utmost seriousness. And he, he saw his chief his chief aim as really communing with God and helping God's people to grow. And I mean, we're talking about discipleship today and, and that really happened and especially through his ministry in the pulpit. And um, that one is challenging, but it's a good, it's a good read. Yeah, yeah. So by great, I think it's biography at its best because it takes um, somebody who's fallen and who may have done things differently than you would do them. And, and you just see, things that you really need to shore up mm-hmm. in your own life and ministry so yeah
1: Murray's really good at that yeah he does such a good job at those biographies and, and approaching it in that way yes you know, he, he shows you you know their weaknesses and their strengths but just affirms the work of the Holy Spirit in their life and how we can follow suit you know by simply obe- simple obedience and yeah I love that about Murray yeah he's really good yeah. and
2: he's uh, John MacArthur's biographer also he is yeah yeah.
1: And, and I'm that's not a, a real fan th- of that for biography, but he is John MacArthur's biography. Yeah, <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't come off real good in my mind.
2: Yeah, it wasn't my favorite. I I yeah. stopped two thirds of the way it's through. It's almost
1: like, hey, we need to do a biography on MacArthur. I, I guess I need to do this, so here goes.
2: <laughs> I think he actually did it as a gift to that church, yeah. um, but of which I am not part. It's like but, a pair of
1: socks. <laughs> It's
2: like, where are we going here? So, no.
1: no um, so well, that's, that's the book that's really challenged yeah, you lately. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah no. I'm, I'm gonna put a note out to Ian.
2: Um <laughs> so, I'm hey nephew. Wins my biography coming as a gift to Sun Valley
1: Church. <laughs> well, uh, no. I, I uh, every once in a while I like to reread Holiness by Ryle, and mm-hmm. I just completed it um, again. And every time I read that, it's like, man, oh, live. Hmm. I am a long way off. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so, it's like it's talking about challenge. It's, it, it, every single chapter is like, oh, yeah. ee, mm. you know, <laughs> but so good. I just love that book. And then the uh, Saturday Morning Men's Group is going through the works of Octavius Winslow. Yeah. That uh, we have just been thoroughly enjoying. It's mm. so, so good, so refreshing, so challenging in mean, every area of the Christian life. And Octavius was a godly man that was able to, you know, lay out the things of God in a clear and challenging way, and that's been good for us. And then uh, I'm I'm uh, reading through some Theodore Roosevelt books, um, a couple that he wrote. Um, really enjoying that. And then one written about him by Doug Brinkley. Um, it's kind of fun to... Yeah. I'm enjoying that. His, and, you know, Theodore's um, contribution to the national park system is just... I'm so thankful for it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's really a, you know, helpful man in the history of the United States. Yeah. Even though he was a Democrat, but we'll, we'll, we'll forgive him. <laughs> we'll, let, we'll let that one slide. <laughs> He
2: just his statue just got canceled, so yeah, it did.
1: <laughs> yeah well, at the National
2: yeah. Museum or American yeah. Museum of Natural History. Yeah,
1: he's he is just an amazing man, yeah. So fun to read about him. Yeah, he he was a man that he was he's a man's man. He was a weird, man. weird thing was, is he was a just a wiener in high school, yeah, and junior high. Yeah, he had nothing going on, yeah, <laughs> he just he was a weakling he had no stamina physical or emotional he had and really he, bad
0: asthma too that's what i mean yeah. he, he
1: couldn't do anything yeah. and physically and emotionally he was he was always kind of a, a sharp kid mentally um and he turned his life around out of determination yeah but um, as far as i can tell at this point no evidence of his faith so yeah we'll see when we get to heaven <laughs> Yeah, I remember reading about him. He,
0: it, so the first mountaineers to climb Mount, uh, what's the what's the big mountain in the Alps? Um, Matterhorn. 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 He yeah. climbed the Matterhorn. Yeah, they they these these, you know, first mountaineers to climb it um, was like 1876 or whatever, and he just happened to be in in the Alps one summer, and these two English explorers were going to go climb it. And he had no training, no nothing. He's like, hey, can I tag along with you? And he just went and climbed the Matterhorn. Yeah. <laughs> with no prep. No prep. Oh, man. No nothing.
1: Yeah. It was. That doesn't remind me of myself. No.
0: And it challenges you,
2: right? Just, yeah. yeah. To grow a mustache. It's and... like,
1: get out of bed, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that guy can climb the Matterhorn without preparation.
2: Make your bed.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. Jordan Anyways. Peterson.
2: <laughs> climb a mountain. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, Good. Good. Speaking of which, I think Peterson's really close to oh, saving man. faith. Oh man! Oh yeah. I just listened to uh, a YouTube video from him recently with Joe Rogan. He's yeah. He's either in the faith or really close yeah. to the faith. Did you watch
2: um, Doug Wilson analyze a section of that?
1: I did not. Um, Is does... Doug Wilson a Christian?
2: Um, the last time I checked, um, which was Mm. yesterday, um, he, yeah, he does these things where he analyzes clips and, and he'll pause them and give a commentary. And he did that with the Rogan interview. Um, it's about 10 minutes long and, um, someone must've sent Wilson's analysis to Peterson and Peter must've liked, Peterson must've liked it because Peterson posted Wilson's analysis on his uh, Instagram last week or his Twitter. My son
1: sent me Peterson's interview with, with, uh, Rogan. And I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of Rogan. I mean, fine, but my son listens to him a lot, and he said, "Dad, listen to this." And so I, uh, whoa, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah,
2: Wilson. That's Wilson ends his analysis the way that you, the way that you did, and he said, uh, "In the words of Jesus, he is not far from the kingdom of heaven." Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wilson called me and
1: asked me about it. So, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I, knew you Ian, guys were on terms. Ian Murray, uh, yeah. Wilson, yeah, F- Theodore Roosevelt. You know, I mean, we Jordan all, Yeah. <laughs> well, we are name dropping, right? Isn't that what we're doing here? Yeah. Yeah. Who yeah. else do we know? Jeremy Pinch. You heard of him? <laughs> Personal friend. Uh,
2: Billy Graham, J.T. English, uh, Peter, Robert Coleman. Paul, I, I call him Bobby. John Jesus.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay, that's it.
1: Jeremy wins. Yeah.
2: Oh uh, well, I know that guy. We uh, we're going to be
0: talking about discipleship. Yeah, sorry to be wasting your time, uh, Sun no, Valley. We're but good. Uh, we're good. They're good. We're
2: Everybody good. loves
0: a good name drop. Yeah, we're we're I talking. I to... Chuck Norris once. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking discipleship because as pastors, we're reading through a book on discipleship called "Deep Discipleship" by J.T. English, and we'll jump that in a, in a minute here, but. Um, you know, I heard someone say recently, and it may have been you, Rick, I can't remember, uh, that in order to change the world, you have to start at the grassroots level. Did you say
1: that?
2: that uh, not familiar? to my knowledge. I yeah, don't we'll, use the we'll, word we'll, grassroots very often. We'll, we'll change I think it might have been Rick. John.
1: No, put you, a big name with it. Yeah. So this conversation sounds a little more... Yeah. Joe so Rogan. Important. Yeah. <laughs> But
0: yes, so, you know, in order to change the world, you start at the grassroots level. And right, we see that throughout history with, you know, the revolutions and everything that's happened in, in history it usually starts with the grassroots movement. Um, and John, a few weeks ago, you, you preached on the calling of the 12 disciples um, who were grassroots citizens, you know, fishermen, tax collectors, zealots, so on and so forth. Why, why did Jesus choose these guys? How come he didn't choose the Pharisees the you know the kings, the ultra rich why why did Jesus choose a bunch of fishermen
1: uh well let me let me clarify something right off the top um if far eschatology is right, then the changing of the world idea needs to be explained right are we really going to change the world, or are we? Is the kingdom of God within you, right? So, okay. uh, that's one thing. But maybe this isn't the time to talk about that. Uh, so I'll just go straight to your primary question: uh, Why did Jesus choose these twelve and not the um, established religious group? Mm. I think. I think that. Um, Sorry to say it, but sometimes religion can ruin people
0: mm.
1: and i don't mean irreparably ruin i just mean uh it it causes problems between them and god religion which is i would think would be should have the opposite effect but in the case of the pharisees sadducees scribes and so forth uh they were in a religion that had gone flat, that had become apathetic, uh, even opposed to God and his kingdom, God and his work, certainly God and his Messiah, Jesus Christ. Um, It got to where they were ignoring God in order to keep the law of God, which is what Jesus accused them of on numerous occasions. You neglect the heavier or the weightier matters of the law so that you can do things to satisfy yourself. So um, I, I think that that was part of it, but if you look into the Old Testament, like Psalm 51, Isaiah 57, Isaiah 66, Micah 6, 8, we're called to a God, um, or God calls to him those who are humble, who are contrite, who don't think highly of themselves, uh, who are quick to repent, mm-hmm. and that wasn't the Pharisees, Sadducees, uh, scribes. Mm-hmm. They were they were prideful. Jesus, the Gospels makes a significant point about their pride and arrogance, and um, how they, you know, clamored after the praise of man, yeah. standing on the street corner with flowing robes and so forth and so on. Jesus talks about. Um, uh, and I think ultimately, though, you know, just to, to give you my, I guess, uh, concluding remarks on the question is, is that God is most glorified in those he transforms.
0: Hmm.
1: He doesn't recruit all-stars. He makes all-stars. Hmm. He, he recruits humble fishermen. Um, Ex-Masons. You know, people that aren't of note. So that once Jesus is done with them, stuff like Acts 4.13 happens. Mm. And they saw the disciples and acknowledged that they had been with Jesus. Mm. God is about transforming people. Mm. And so he, he picked up these guys who would, would be able to obviously demonstrate their transformation, radical transformation. Which is a great encouragement to those of us who aren't of note. You know, we joked earlier about all these famous people, you know, Lloyd Jones, um, Ian Murray, MacArthur, and all these guys. They're of note. And, you know, they are, you know, the upper crust, we might say, in the Christian world. But, uh, predominantly, and even in their life, they would acknowledge that they were not of note, mm-hmm. uh, those men that we just, I just mentioned. But predominantly, God chooses people like us who aren't of note, who uh, aren't in the elite group of any society. Mm-hmm. And so that the the glory of God's grace can be revealed in clear ways. Mm-hmm. To the, Ephesians 1, three times, to the praise of his glorious grace, he saved us sinners to the praise of his glorious grace. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what brings great honor and glory to Jesus Christ is when because of his transforming work, we're changed mm-hmm. into his likeness. Mm-hmm. I think that's why he chose the fishermen. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be my answer.
2: And I think that, you know, playing on that, you know, John, you alluded to the, um, basically the poor in spirit, right? Exactly. And that's yeah. exactly where the entire, um, his that sermon on the kingdom um, begins. And it begins there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And James James says that God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And so how, you know, God is is taking people the world discards because doing so is what promotes the end of all things, and by that I mean the purpose of all things, which is the glory of God, and that's exactly what Paul, I mean, Paul pretty much answers your question outright in 1 Corinthians 1. He says, consider your calling, brethren, that not many of you were wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Uh, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things mm. which are strong and the base things of the world and the despised. God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are so that no man may boast before God. And then he quotes from Jeremiah and says, As it "Is it written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Mm. When God takes people whom the world didn't have hope in um, or much esteem for, um, and they're fully sanctified for his purpose, the things that he does through that, such as, like it says in Acts, turning the world upside down, um, people know it's not because of w- however we prepared them. Mm-hmm. It's It's got to be of God. Yeah. And God gets the glory. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, I was, I was just thinking about, um, you know, whenever we hear about a celebrity or somebody coming to faith in Christ, everybody gets excited, you know? and they and they go almost um, everybody. Yeah. yeah. They 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 it's almost as if like oh now they can use their influence to change, you know, society or, you know, the people around them and and so on and so forth. Um and we can take great encouragement in the fact that God God uses common people and he always has throughout history to to advance the kingdom of Christ. You don't have to be an A-list celebrity.
2: <laughs> Kanye? <laughs> yeah. That was I mean a lot that of people was a big deal. it was a big deal a couple years ago. And that thing I was... thought
1: for sure that we were right there on the doorstep of the millennium when Kanye came. Oh <laughs> I thought, man. It... Signs was... of
2: the times. Hal Lindsay, <laughs> what would you do with that? Um, and then if
1: Kim would have come, can you imagine?
2: And then they split. And then Kanye went down in a ball of flaming yeah. disaster. And yeah, it's, it's just I mean that just goes to show our hope isn't in. Um, right. <clears throat> people and their conversions, no yeah. matter how high profile. And you know what? I'm, I pray that Jordan Peterson genuinely does come to faith. But notice that even Jordan Peterson, um, if you n- have followed his story at all over the past couple of years, if God's drawing him, it's through the path of completely breaking him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he there's a lot of humility there, and mm-hmm. he's recognizing he doesn't have the resource in himself or the answers in psychology that he thought... Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, we're there. Well, I
1: think that's that's a prerequisite, right? That's what yeah. Matthew 5, 3 says, mm-hmm. the poor in spirit. That's what, uh, you know, all these verses I just referenced about humility and contrition. Yeah. That's what it's about. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't come into the kingdom of God arrogantly. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. The rich young ruler yeah. makes the case in point. Yeah. I mean, he was so close. Yeah. But he had to deny himself. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He would Wait a minute,
1: deny himself and take up his cross, that sounds like a definition of discipleship.
0: Yeah, so what what does that mean? We throw around that term a lot, disciple, discipleship. What I
1: mean, what does that, what's, what does that mean? What would Jesus say? What would he say? What do you think, Craig?
2: He would say, deny yourself, take up <laughs> your cross, and follow me.
1: I think he did say that. <laughs> yeah. I so, mean, if I so, can recall...
2: What does self mean, right? That's so defined the term and... Because does it mean that the Christian life is one of never doing anything that you enjoy? No, mm-hmm. that's very clearly not taught. Um, John's sermon from about a month ago um, wouldn't have been able to be preached if that were the case. Um, but we do look at the uh, what A.W. Tozer calls the self-hyphen sins, mm-hmm. you know, the self-exaltation, self-glorying, self-whatever, Self-serving, and you get this idea pretty quick that the self that we're denying is the flesh. Mm. It's it's valuing um, our sinful preferences, our sinful orientation, and our lives as supreme. Um, but when, and that is
1: what the world is pushing. that one hundred percent. It's not anything but that. Yes. You know, if you're not going to stick up for yourself, who will? Right. You know, grab the gusto and go because no one else is going to be looking out for you. Yeah, look out for number one. All this stuff is from the world, mm-hmm. and they're they're selling self. You mm-hmm. deserve this. Mm-hmm. You deserve a break today, so get up and get away to McDonald's. <laughs> and well, so, when you
2: deny yourself and take up your cross, I mean, the cross was the instrument of death, right? It's the instrument of our salvation. And to take up your cross is to treasure Jesus so much that you would—you're not only going to obey Him, but you would even die to do so. Well, and sometimes,
1: him. Rick, I've said this before from the pulpit, and I believe it—it it would be easier to die for Jesus than to live for Him. Yeah. You know, I think—I think that's a, a problem in our current discipleship context. Uh, people, oh yeah, I'll die for Jesus. Oh man, this—he's my Savior and Lord. And, but uh, I'm not going to tithe, <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, right. I'm not going to serve. No, I'm too busy. Right? You know, you know my job. I got to work like seventy hours a week. I, I can't serve in the church. I can't serve. Period. Yeah. I'm working to, su- you know, support my family. I'm working to, you know, guarantee my retirement. I. Well, no, it, it's harder to live for Christ than to die for Christ. Yeah. So, that's part of it.
0: Yeah. How how willing are you to die for Christ? If you're not willing to die to the things that He's called you to
1: die to, live for. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Are you going to live for Christ or live for yourself? Yeah. I I think dying will take care of itself. Yeah. You know, whether it's for Christ or whatever, you're going to die. It's coming. But the the bigger issue, the biggest issue, is living. Mm -hmm. How am I going to live today? Mm -hmm. Is it going to be for me, my promotion, my you know you know comfort comfort of my family and making sure they have you know everything they want the cornucopia kid thing yeah you know it's like wait a minute
0: so so when jesus calls his 12 disciples do they know what they they're being called to at that moment no
1: no obviously not peter in one minute one breath says you are the christ the son of the living god in the next minute he says, "We're not going to Calvary. <laughs> that ain't happening, <laughs> so no, he did not know, yeah, Jesus says, "You will though Peter, yeah. hang with me, you'll figure it out
0: and so jesus used used the next three years of his ministry yeah. to
1: reveal that to him exactly yeah, and even even up till the end, Peter was struggling with that reality. Right. I think all of them were right. they all took off right you know, from the Garden of Gethsemane, they all ran for the bushes and it wasn't until the ascension that they really had had it figured out. Yeah. Maybe even not until the Pentecost. Uh, but I think at the ascension, most of them had a grasp.
2: Well, and that you know, I just read that this morning uh, the account kind of the crucifixion in Matthew, and it struck me that the ones who are standing there with him as he dies are are the women, mm-hmm. right? Which which another that's another example of the foolish things that Jesus has, that God has chosen to shame the wise because in that society, um, women couldn't, their word couldn't even hold up in court. Like they, it was, if I remember correctly, um, they were not esteemed and valued. And so for them to be there courageously standing by their Lord and mourning him while his closest followers, um, fled and were nowhere to be seen except for John, um, I think that, he was a man, wasn't he? That really, yeah. 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 That, hence the except for. <laughs> That's where, you know, I think that speaks to this idea. Yeah. And it's in there for a reason. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's fun seeing, too. It's, it's fun seeing Nicodemus, right? The guy who has all the answers in, in John chapter three, or thinks he has all the answers in John chapter three. And then after the death of Christ, he, he, he's, he comes and he asks. He boldly comes and asks for the body of Christ. Um, yeah, just seeing that that play into the self-denial, the, the breaking.
2: Yeah. yeah, there were 70 men on the Sanhedrin, right? Um, and I don't remember, Nicodemus was on the Sanhedrin?
1: He was, he, yes, he was, because he was a, the teacher of Israel.
2: Yeah, and so was Joseph of Arimathea. Yeah. So out of the 70 top guys in Israel, only two are chosen at that point right. um, but then you have the masses of the commoners who love him um, and then you've got the disciples who are of no note at all who he chooses to be his
1: chief guys but soon in church history a large portion of the Pharisees a yeah. large portion of the Sanhedrin did come you know that, that's kind of cool to see yeah. these guys who were the enemies of Christ all throughout his ministry finally um embraced him mm-hmm. many of them not all of them but many of them did and can you imagine being one of those who publicly you know derided Christ rejected him and then it dawns on you in Peter's sermon at pentecost wait a minute this is the messiah <laughs> I can't yeah. imagine what was going through their brains when it dawned on them what they had done. <laughs> I just probably the the talk warmth, about transformation
2: <laughs> drained from their blood, and yeah. if that doesn't speak to uh, those cut who, to the heart, those who <sighs> are listening who yeah. who struggle with I've done too much. Uh, <laughs> well, you haven't done that, and Jesus, you know, died for. Them, he Jesus died them. for you, and it's yeah. just the gospel's all over that. And
0: Peter's Peter's response is pretty simple: repent and be baptized.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> repent and be baptized. Yeah, yeah. This this book, J.T. English, he says according to Jesus, discipleship is not about self-actualization or self-preservation; it's about self-denial. You will know yourself the most when you are carrying your cross. All of our self-actualized visions of discipleship and our own little kingdoms need to, be, need to crumble and be crucified in the kingdom of God if the kingdom of God is going to reign in our lives. True self-knowledge comes not through being true to yourself, but through denying yourself. I thought that was pretty helpful in our understanding of what
1: it means to be a disciple. I've got another quote from that book, if yeah. you m- wouldn't mind, um, from JT English. Uh, the message of cultural Christianity, and he was juxtaposing culture Christianity with biblical Christianity mm-hmm. here at this point in this chapter. He says the message of cultural Christianity is that God is merely good to us. You know, God is good all the time. Uh-huh. Okay. Put a song
2: of <laughs> praise in his heart, and my God is good.
1: <laughs> Yeah. So uh, the message of cultural Christianity is is that God is merely good to us. The message of biblical Christianity is that God is good for us. Mm. Yes. Uh, The message of biblical Christianity is that God is good for us. The message of cultural Christianity is that we should seek God's goods, You know all the good gifts. Uh, The message of biblical Christianity is that we should seek God's goodness. The message of cultural Christianity is that we should seek God so that he might provide for us. The message of biblical Christianity is that God is our provision. Mm. The message of cultural Christianity is that we should seek God in order to get things. The message of biblical Christianity is that we should seek God to get the highest thing, which is himself. Mm. So, yeah, we're, we're after biblical Christianity when we're talking about discipleship. Yeah. And usually that is along the path of discomfort. It really usually is. Yeah. That's I mean, how can you think anything else when you're hearing Jesus say, take up your cross? Right. Yeah. He didn't say, take up your backpack. You know, he didn't say, take up your fishing pool, take up your golf clubs, take up. No. Yeah. Take up your cross. Yeah, and they knew that. They knew what that meant. Exactly. <laughs> they, if they didn't they at that point, it. they knew at Calvary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They saw Jesus take up his cross, literally, yeah. you know, and yeah. that that dis- definition of discipleship probably came back powerfully to those guys right. at that moment.
2: Right. When we're talking about discipleship, we're talking about following, right? Like we just finished a, an eight nine week seminar on discipleship, and at its most basic, discipleship is um, following Jesus, yep. right? And and that's that is the Christian life. There is no Christian life that's not following Jesus. And I think what you know, the thrust of what you just read, John. And I think what we're saying is that the primary reason we do that, the number one motivation is that he's worthy of being followed. And when you think about, are we the ones receiving? Well, sure. I mean, we receive so much. I mean, the fact that we're even in the kingdom is to receive abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. And yet when you get to the end of the story, it's worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive. Right. Power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. So, when someone asks a Christian, "Why? Why are you a Christian?" Um, I think you'd be hard pressed to give a more biblical answer than because he's worthy.
1: <laughs> right. Well, you're ta- you start out. Right. start out by talking about discipleship is about following, right? Yeah. And if there is an example of a disciple of Christ in the New Testament, it's Paul. Right. Right. And he suffered all sorts of stuff. I mean, he's listed a few different. Lists in his epistles to the Corinthians about uh, yeah his epistle to the Corinthians about his his suffering his challenges mm-hmm. in following Christ mm-hmm. all all his letters are full of personal examples of what it means to follow Christ and exhortations to follow Christ. In fact, he says to the Corinthians in in First uh, uh, Corinthians eleven one follow me as I follow Christ. Right. And yeah. the, you're right, Rick. It is discipleship is simply following Jesus. And it's helpful to have a few examples around, mm-hmm. like pastors, mm-hmm. like apostles, like you know, committed folk who, who suffer for Christ and continue on, yeah. keeping on, yeah. keeping following, keeping faithful in the midst of hardship, like finding out your wife's pregnant after already four, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. You just keep on. You just you don't give up. Just do another you just, podcast. You just keep going. <laughs> what? You just keep believing the gospel, and yeah. that God is good. Yeah. You know, so you know. I think all of us, especially Jeremy, could take encouragement from <laughs> these things. I'm bearing my
0: cross right now. I'm bearing my cross
2: <laughs> with every child. Katie threatens to kill me. So, so Jesus,
0: <laughs> Jesus, Jesus chose these twelve men um, to advance the kingdom. Of God, right? We we see that in, in, in John seventeen, um, you know, or you know Matthew twenty eight, go and make disciples of all nations. Sure. Uh, but in John seventeen, he, there's a very specific prayer that Jesus gives for these disciples and for the people who would believe because of their message. Why didn't Jesus just you know show up, snap his fingers, say, "Here I am, I'm the Messiah. Everybody believe me." Why does he Why does he use just these twelve guys to to take the the message out?
1: Well, because, Rick, you, you referred to this earlier, God's ultimate goal is his glory. Hmm. And coming out and snapping fingers and making robots isn't all that glorifying. It's impressive, but it's not glorifying. Hmm. A, a transformed sinner is impressive <laughs> in, in terms of spiritual matter, in terms of divine glory. Yeah. Look what God does. He, he takes undeserving unqualified people and makes them into saints into the redeemed into the family of god to me there's nothing more glorious that is the most glorifying element possible on in all creation is taking a rebel and making them a saint you know we, we are wowed by the miracles we read of in scripture you know the healing of the blind the healing of the the paralytic the leper you know the bringing people back from death to life the they they pale in comparison to turning the heart of a rebel into a follower of Christ yeah. that's a, a miracle of uh divine standards of course and it happens every day. You know, you oh, I wish I could see a miracle. Well, if you're a believer, look in the mirror. Hmm. If you're if you're a believer, look at all the others in your church who have been transformed by grace, the grace of God through Christ. Yeah. So that's why. Yeah. He didn't come and snap his fingers, that's why he didn't have angels be his messengers. That's why he appointed fallen man yeah. sinners.
0: Well, yeah, we talked about this in the podcast, you know, a few months back of, you know, there's we're going to be singing a song in heaven that's that's that the angels aren't going to be able to participate in. You know, we're going to be Oh yeah, like, I love that phrase in that song. Yeah. We're going to be singing of the grace of God that has been shown to us in Christ.
1: And that's what we're going to be singing at Romans I mean uh, Revelation 5. Yeah. Worthy is the Lamb who did all this. Yeah. That's going to be the song of heaven. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a, a rhythm to how these things happen, right? So like think about, you know, at the end of Genesis, um, the, the, 12 tr- the 12 patriarchs, right, of Israel, these guys are a who's who of you did what? Um, <laughs> and, and yet from that those 12 uh, men come 12 tribes that God makes promises to that to this day have yet to be fulfilled with a history full of failure. And yet there's going to be a day where they are made new and he calls these 12 guys to be the 12 apostles of the continuation of that mm-hmm. purpose of redemption mm-hmm. and together the 12 apostles and the 12 you know the 12 um, tribes of israel are the, are going to be the foundations and gates of the new jerusalem And when Jesus came the first time, he was announced to shepherds who were also not able to give testimony in a court of law, who, you know, and he calls wise men from the Gentile nations as a, as um you know, a sign that he's calling people like us who weren't born into the chosen race um, to become a chosen race. And then as... Um, there was such opposition from the world's leaders when he left. When he returns, it's in the midst of a tribulation unlike anything ever seen before. And the world's leaders, chiefest of which is going to be the Antichrist, um, are going to be you know, in the middle of the worst persecution on God's people ever and then Jesus is going to come and make all things new and bring in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. I mean, you see these this pattern of God's faithfulness, and you see that story unfolding throughout Scripture. Yeah. Um, this is just the way that God works, yeah. and it's not something that we could have come up with.
1: And yeah. to quote the great Hannibal Hayes, <laughs> Hannibal I love it who? when a plan comes together.
2: <laughs> Hannibal who?
1: Yeah, Hannibal. the Hannibal Hannibal. Are from, we talking from as in from the 18th? <laughs>
2: Hello, Clarice.
1: No, not that Hannibal. No, the Hannibal a- of the A Team. Come on, Rick. Oh, work, work with me.
2: I, I thought he
0: was. Go- I thought he was going there when he said Hannibal. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. But he went a different direction.
1: <laughs> uh, if I had a cigar, you'd Did you see think it. my Hannibal. <laughs> you understand it? Yeah, I was it. thinking your Hannibal, but <laughs> yeah, a- yeah. No, well, I've I- I- been redeemed. You- <laughs> I don't know what you two guys are dealing with, but <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: So, okay, let's we'll finish. I'm thinking we'll finish of you. lambs that are silent. <laughs> so, so the
0: goal is more of God. Go, that's obviously the goal of, of discipleship is for the people to see more of, more of God and, and grow deeper in, in him. How do we accomplish that as a church? How do we do that?
1: Preach the word, teach the word, uh, challenge the people of God. I think we model our ministry after what Jesus did. He was, he was with his disciples, it says in Mark, that he rubbed hard against them in the wilderness. We, are, we pour our lives into their lives and we keep the scriptures open. Yeah. Um, and we develop deep personal relationships. We, we love God's people. We show them examples of what it means to lovingly sacrifice for them and for the, the kingdom. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think, I think we keep Christ before them. Uh, you know, one of the things that happened to me uh, after I preached Romans, but in the middle of my sermon series in Hebrews, was that conviction. What the people need is not, they need this, but you'll hear me out. It's not more doctrine. They need more Christ. And so I... I I had somewhat of a ministerial transformation in the book of Hebrews um, when I was preaching it. And it it went from, uh, listen, folks, you need more doctrine. You need to know the Bible better. And they do. We all do, right? But what makes disciples is being exposed to more of Christ, Mm -hmm. being enamored, overwhelmed with his beauty, mm-hmm. his glory, his perfections, his excellencies, his nature. Um, and it resolves a lot of Christian problems that we have, like apathy, um, a lack of commitment, um, lack of joy, lack of service, are all resolved if you see Christ clearly. And so my my objective has become solitary since the middle of Hebrews, and that is to show Christ as lovely, as beautiful, as glorious, in every possible way. Mm-hmm. So that everybody goes, "Whoa, you're right! Wow, I want to follow that guy." Yeah. So that's what I think. No yeah. matter.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's good by your silence, I'm assuming you concur with that statement.
2: How can you disagree with that? I mean, honestly, what kind of a pastor would you be if you said, no, no, no. Hold on. Let's we, go ask of... more of Christ and I'm pretty sure that's how false gospels get started. <laughs> it's, And I think everything that we need in the Christian life, like, you know, I think J.T. English's book, uh, he comes right out and says we need more theology, not less. All all of that serves, all you know, deeper relationships, deeper theology, all that serves that one aim, right. that Christ yeah. is worthy of being known. Yeah. And there's nothing higher than the glory of God.
1: Yeah. And Paul, Paul loses himself at the end of Romans 8 and just goes off yeah. <laughs> on this very thing. And he just, it, it's like he's overwhelmed yeah. with the gospel, yeah. with Christ. Yeah. And this is what he says. Yeah. so yeah yeah that's good that's good
0: well church we love you we uh, we uh, look forward to being with you this Sunday and next week on the boys valley have a great day